Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 103 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll be recapping the Liverpool-Manchester United match, which uh, unsurprisingly ended one uh, nil-nil, actually. Another big six match ended in ending nil-nil. Uh, we'll talk. We'll give an update on the Premier League title race, which has gotten really toasty and really interesting um, during this past midweek of games with Leicester City and Man City climbing up the boards and Chelsea and Liverpool uh, falling. And then just an overall update on some transfer news and a legend retiring from the game uh, of uh, of soccer. But you know what? I know it's on a little bit down, but you know I wanted to quickly mention, uh, we mentioned this in our rundown, but Wayne Rooney retiring as a player and will now be the permanent Derby County manager happened literally a day after we got finished recording and uploaded it so you know Wayne Rooney dropping the news on us unexpectedly and we could make a pod about it but you know it's a pretty crazy that Wayne Rooney is retiring because um when he was in the MLS we we were watching him a little bit but then when he moved to Derby County um it in a ways I didn't really know when he was playing I mean he played Manchester United in the FA Cup and then we beat them but um yeah I mean what can I say Wayne Rooney a legend of the game my favorite Manchester United player um just the goals he scored, the the leader he was, it was just uh he was always someone that captivated me and I was always enjoyed watching him play. So it was sad seeing him retired, but I'm 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 excited to see what he can do um as a manager now. Retired at the age of I believe thirty five. He started playing at Six, sixteen years old. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a he's long been in time. the Premier League for a long time. He a was lot. like a staple. Yeah, he's been a professional for a long time. At sixteen, that's crazy. And he's going straight from being a player at Derby County straight to the manager. That's literally when a player is just like, F it, I'm doing it myself. <laughs> so he's taking over for Derby. And Derby is not in as great of a spot as Frank Lampard had it when he was the manager. So mm-hmm. right now, Derby County, I believe, is kind of fighting relegation, if I yeah. remember correctly last time looking at it. So they're... Ray Rooney's going into this at a slight disadvantage. So he might not have all the magic unless he does one of those player manager things where he just decides to put on a jersey and just hop on the field. But I don't really know if he can do that these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, but, he, I think he was yeah. doing that a little bit in the beginning of the season because I, I think he announced he was going to be player manager, but now he's permanently the manager. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It'd be interesting. It's always funny that the whole England um star generation of like the 2010 was Lampard, Rooney and Gerard or Gerard and now Gerard's the manager at Rangers, Lampard is at Chelsea and now Rooney's at Derby County. It's funny how they all become managers at such a young age too, relatively speaking when it comes to being a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and also age. being managers for somewhat big clubs. Yeah. Just going straight into it. I feel like there's one of those situations where you know when you see your parents and then your parents are like, yeah, well, when my friend had kids, I had a kid, I had you and then my other friend had a kid. And then so it's just like everyone just has kids because every, all the other friends had kids. And then now you see this England squad, one person becomes a manager and then someone else becomes a manager. He's like, you know what? They became managers. I'll become a manager, too. Yeah. John so, Terry's like assistant coach for Aston Villa. <laughs> exactly. So like, they're all they're all finding their ways to become a manager and such. Like Xavi, Iniesta. Well, I don't know about Iniesta, but Xavi obviously is a manager. Um, mm-hmm. Torres. I don't know if you saw that picture of Torres. He looks like a bulked up linebacker. He like bulked he, up during the during this time off as a retired player. 
He literally got bigger than Goretzka. Yeah. <laughs> that makes no sense. Like I saw him and it looked like a photoshopped image. I know. Like, why is Torres <laughs> big now? It makes uh. <laughs> it's crazy because this guy used to always be like the skinny, you know, fast striker for Liverpool, Chelsea, and then, you know, Atletico Madrid and everything. So um it was interesting seeing him. It was actually really funny seeing him all buffed up and stuff. But we'll see what Rooney does. I wish him um good luck because I, I I know I want to see him succeed and uh, you know it uh, it's uh it's crazy that one of the legends of the game when we were watching is now retiring and, and unfortunately it's going to keep happening like you know Messi Ronaldo all those legends that we that dominated the 2010s and such and the you know for a good good majority of the 2000 era are retiring and mm-hmm. you know it's sad but you know that's like the evolution of the game you know people get older and they got to retire and everything so makes me feel old I know <laughs> but we wanted to move on to the Liverpool Manchester United match. Obviously, it's a big rivalry. We hyped it up. You know, we thought it was going to be super exciting, a lot of goals and such. Unfortunately, it ended nil-nil. Um, but Tyler and I were texting throughout the match. And for the most part, it could be a little bit of bias on both of our ends. We thought it was it wasn't the most boring nil-nil. We thought there was chances on both ends. Obviously, Liverpool in that first half dominated the game a lot, but they just couldn't find that cutting edge pass or that cutting edge like that final option in the final third to break down Manchester United defense and then Manchester United in the second half started to warm up a little bit and Paul Pogba probably had the best chance of the game but Ali Sun just like stepped up in a huge way and just saved Liverpool but um, I thought it was missed chances on both ends I thought Liverpool lacked a little bit of something I thought United could have came um it could have came in and like t- taken their chances a little bit better. I think they they left a lot on the table, and unfortunately for Liverpool, I think it was kind of the same. But that was my my take on it. It was kind of just an evenly matched game at the when you look at it at the end. In the end, yeah. But even overall, I think because of the first half, how Liverpool was just so dominant, I felt like Liverpool should have came away with something. <laughs> and even with. Henderson and Fabinho playing that pair of center backs. I was I literally texted Josh right before the, the match started. I was like, oh, we got Fabinho and Henderson. Expect goals. But they played really well, surprisingly to me. I was like, oh, wow. They actually kept out most opportunities. There's even one opportunity when Rashford in the second half got in the breakaway. It was just him and Cavani versus Fabinho and Henderson. And then Henderson and Fabinho managed to stop the run and managed mm-hmm. to stop that breakaway opportunity. And Cavani was so mad, but I was like, holy cow, how do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> but even then, with despite all the defensive efforts from this unconventional pair of center backs and also Ali's son just playing on top of his head, just stopping everything, we couldn't get a goal. Like just I felt like it was that final pass, that final finish from Liverpool just wasn't there. And it was a very weird thing to see because usually for Liverpool, in the past couple seasons, couple seasons at least, it's always been they finish those chances that they're given. Mm-hmm. It's they're very efficient. They finish the easy chances. Some of the harder chances they finish as well, but at least the easy ones they for sure get. But in this game, it just wasn't there. Like that little edge, that extra oomph, which is not there. So for this game, I felt like the offense was the issue for Liverpool, and that was really strange. Thiago Alcantara literally was the carry for the team. I felt like he was the architect, the maestro. He had the most passes, successful chances created, most interceptions, most duels. Like it was insane how many things he won in that game for the team. And even then, he couldn't really unlock it for 
mm-hmm. Liverpool. And I felt like that's really on like the front three to kind of like step up and also just the team overall kind of missing Henderson being in that midfield. But yeah, I, uh, I, I felt like United played pretty good defense despite everything as well. Like it's not I, just Liverpool being bad at finishing. It was yeah, Harry Maguire and Lindelof actually doing really block. well. Cause like, uh, I remember that one chance Firmino cuts in and I thought that was going to be a goal. Like he's going to just curl it into the upper 90, but Lindelof like adjusted himself well enough to block it. And I thought, yeah, Shaw, I thought Luke Shaw played pretty well too, in terms of keeping, I think he was on Salah at the time. I think he did a pretty mm-hmm. good job of keeping him in check. And for the most part, I understand the way United went out because I think if United tried to go on the front foot and attack too much, the pace, they don't have enough pace in their center backs. You know, Maguire and Lindelof aren't the fastest. And with Mane and Salah and Firmino running at you, that's not that's not what you want for two slower center backs. So I think the way they set up was probably the best way they could because they had to make up for the fact that they don't have a ton of pace on the back line. So I think it was a it, it was a pretty even draw. But, um, you know, Ali Sun just came in really clutch with those saves and one thing I saw, I thought was really interesting was uh, Fabinho's play. I know you mentioned the the breakaway, but the guy is so good. He's just really good at just reading the game. And in a lot of ways, it's really funny. He's kind of the player that Manchester United kind of need the most in the midfield. Just like that, the pure like defensive midfielder who is literally good at everything in terms of breaking up play, composed enough to pick out a pass, intelligent enough to know what's going on, not rash where he's just throwing in a bunch of challenges because I spoke about this before that United have three um, defensive midfielders in McTominay, Matic and Fred but they all specialize in like three different three three different things but they if you were to just put one on their own they don't have the full package with them and Fabinho is the full package midfielder and it's a shame that Liverpool have had have been hit with so many injuries that we haven't seen him play in the midfield where obviously that's his position but Obviously, he's an intelligent enough player to handle being in a center back position. But I thought he was really good with his man marking and his uh, just his overall play. He was just very composed, I would say. And there was another thing that I saw in this game that Jamie Carragher actually pointed out in one of those um, Sky Sports recaps. He was talking about the performance of Firmino, how um, when you're talking about trios in the Premier League, he's he made up a point that a lot of trios in the Premier League don't really last more than three years. Like he even brought up like Carl, you know, Tevez, Rooney and Ronaldo only lasted, I think two, two and a half seasons. Um, the other big ones, I, they, like uh, Sané, Aguero and Sterling only lasted, I believe two, two and a half years and such. But Liverpool's front three has been on, I think this is what the fourth season, three, third, third or fourth season mm-hmm. um, in a row. And he was saying that, you know, he's more confident that Salah and Mane will be able to pick up their form. They're just in a little dip of form right now, but he is more concerned about Firmino and how he doesn't really offer um, that, that I, I was going to say pure number nine threat. And he's, he, he obviously acknowledged that Firmino has never been the pure number nine, but when things aren't going the best that Jamie Carragher was trying to just bring up the point that they need a striker there that can just tuck away chances like a poacher, like a Cavani S where it's like that guy will just poach the ball in the back of the net, no matter what. Um, and Liverpool don't really have that right now. And I just thought that was interesting because um, we've always talked about this in the podcast, how Firmino is like the unsung hero of Liverpool, but it could be maybe that's the position they need to replace um, sooner rather than later type thing. I, I thought that was an interesting point he brought up um, when it comes to the Liverpool front three. 
I've been thinking the same and Origi is that poacher for us like that mm-hmm. super sub that can come off the bench despite him probably not liking that kind of title for himself just always just coming off the bench and being that big impact player but it's also really hard just to bring someone in and saying all right you're not going to start every game you're just going to ride the bench <laughs> and then hopefully you can get us a goal because just how Liverpool plays but it is something I feel like Liverpool are lacking or are lacking at times because you just even in this game, like this menu Liverpool game, there's a few chances. You know, for Mino, he's really good at finishing. It's just some other times, like that shot, that shot when he cut in against Lindelof instead of just taking it with his left foot. I felt like if that was Suarez or Torres, they would have shot it, yeah, sooner instead of trying to cut back and then hit it on their preferred foot. So just those little things, like that kind of mentality of just like going like like a bull, just going straight <laughs> in. I feel like that's not, you know, for me knows way. He's always really looking for the pass first. Mm-hmm. So he's like a midfielder playing a striker's role. And that's kind of played beneficial to Liverpool in the past several seasons. But there are certain times when this won't work. And that's in this game in particular. But I also want to quickly mention, uh, like on top of what you mentioned about Fabinho, I feel like he's my player of the season for Liverpool right now because mm-hmm. he's literally a defensive midfielder, as you just said, but playing a whole different position that he wasn't signed up for. Yeah, he came as like a right back from Monaco, but he got moved to center defensive mid, which is his preferred role. But now because of just situation, injuries, he's playing center back and he's stopping some of the best attacks in the Premier League at center back. So yeah, that goes to show and he doesn't have that protection that he would have when he would be there. Yeah. While he's playing center back. So that's also on top of that. Yeah, it's uh when I was just watching the game, it just really showed me just how unfortunate it is for Liverpool. Cause if they had everyone healthy, I mean, I still think they probably could have kicked on and be in this title race or even be in first place um comfortably. But the injuries have hurt them. And I think um it's not on the rundown, but one quick thing I wanted to point out was uh, they were mentioning this in the broadcast, and I, I noticed that a little bit too. It's the play of Trent Alexander, Alexander, Alexander Arnold. Oh God, I don't know why I can't say his name. TAA. We'll just do that. Um, his play. I, I was watching the game, and even in this uh, Manchester United game, he looked kind of shaky. Um, there was one back pass where he had a ton of time where he could have just comfortably headed it back to Ali Sun, and like he headed it back for a corner for Manchester United. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I remember play. exactly it was, that. It was weird. And I know in the last game against Southampton, I think they said that he had so many errors, like individual errors in that game um, and and everything. And I think that was very interesting because when we talk about Trent, it's always been a progression for him. Like each season, he's gotten better and better and better. It's never been like, oh, it's a dip of form or he's struggling or he's like a sophomore slump. It's always been like, holy crap, this guy keeps getting better and better and better. And this season, um, obviously, he's been hurt with a little bit of injuries and such, but this season, I think we're maybe seeing a little bit of that, I guess that progression, not tail off, but maybe he's hitting kind of like that little roadblock in his career, not where he's going to be a terrible player, but maybe he's just kind of go, going through a slump that from a person that doesn't watch Liverpool day in and day out, um, that the casual you know person that just follows the Premier League is starting to notice that Trent's level of play is going down a little bit. I still think he's going to be fine but i think it's interesting that he's you know now after you know three seasons of like pure progression is now hitting a little bit of a roadblock in terms of his uh his play such i thought that was interesting 
No, I, I definitely saw that too because in that Southampton game uh, last week, Trent gave away the ball 38 times, I believe. That's like Jeez. a Premier League record. And I was I was thinking, how the heck? <laughs> I can't even count or like even catch 38 times if someone's giving away the ball. And that's ridiculous for someone like Trent, especially a defender giving away the ball 38 times. That's really bad, especially for you know breakaways or potential opportunities just to you know break up your own counterattack. So there's been times also I saw Trent, he would try to cross and then he's typically a very accurate passer. Like he's compared to with Kevin De Bruyne. Even we've compared him to Kevin De Bruyne, like arguably the best passer in the Premier League. But this season it's been kind of sloppy. He's just been like spamming crosses. <laughs> and Robertson, he's been on the other side, he's been still doing all right. Like I feel like he's stayed the same in terms of progressing well and still being really good player on that left side but Trent has seen a noticeable dip at times so I think overall something goes something's going on at Liverpool maybe they're very tired because there were times when you know it just looked like Mane was the only one who had energy yeah and I think the rotation of certain players into the team has definitely helped like having big Shaq big Shakiri in has definitely helped with kind of finding that creative pass that new set of miss Jota yes, in the front three, it would have been like huge because obviously if you put him in, at least you could rest one of the front three every now and again. Mm-hmm. And he has that like finisher's edge. I feel mm-hmm. like that thing that we're missing, you know, it's he's Jota is not, you know, a pure striker as well, but he has that mentality to shoot the ball. Yeah. Like a little bit better than Firmino. Mm-hmm. And despite even having, you know, Shakiri and Tiago in that midfield, like the main creators of the team, there weren't even that many like clear cut chances. I felt like in that Liverpool Man U game, because even when I was texting Yash, I was saying that I felt like Man U had the better chances. Yeah. And that's something weird to say being at home at Anfield. But that record of just have, not losing a home for like 66 plus games or something like that yeah, might be playing to their heads him, a little bit. I- they, they put out a stat. The last time they lost was in April of 2017. And that was literally when I was a freshman in college. <laughs> that, that's crazy. That was like my end of my freshman year of college. That's how that just put into perspective how long it's been since they've lost, which I thought was insane that they've gone that long and haven't lost at home. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a, uh, it was a good game. You know, I, it was, it didn't obviously didn't live up with the goal fest that we thought it was going to be, but it was still a good game that had a lot of big stakes in it and a big stakes that we haven't seen in a while, but a team since that game finished in a draw, a team that's taken two teams that have actually taken advantage of it. The first one, Manchester city beating crystal palace four nil. They actually won today as well. They beat, um, Aston Villa two nil. Um, but this team and specifically, I know we mentioned John stones before he scored a brace in this crystal palace game, but, the way City are playing, it, it's almost reminiscent of the time when they basically blew away the Premier League that first season or that second season under Pep where they were just winning games like boom, boom, boom. And they were playing such a good attacking football. And they're doing the same thing now. And they still don't even have Aguero back. They've been playing Gabriel Jesus and everything. But this team is legitimately scary. Um, I think they're they are coming and they have a game in hand. I think... They're just a team that is scaring me right now because they are ticking all the boxes right now. Jao Cancelo is playing really well. John Stones is playing really well. Kevin De Bruyne is playing amazing. The team is just chugging along like a machine and Pep Guardiola has got them playing really well. So if I was a 
opposing Premier League team. I Manchester City is probably the scariest team in the league right now, I would say. They're definitely really high momentum for sure. Mm-hmm. And I have to give credit to Ruben Diaz. Yeah. He's a player I kind of roasted at the beginning hey of man, the season. John Stones, who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought that him and John Stones would be the prime center back pairing? Because this is a crazy stat that I saw, but in the last 22 games that Ruben Diaz has played for Man City, they've gotten a clean sheet in 15 of them. That's over half, which is really rare to see unless you're Atletico Madrid. But (laughs) for Man City, this is actually huge because now they can scrape away winning games that they shouldn't be winning 1-0 just because of their defense. Yeah. But even then, they don't even need to because they're winning games like this, 4-0. And they're even doing it without Aguero. So I, I'm i scared. I think yeah. this is very dangerous for Everyone. the title race because they can easily you know, start to get away with it. Yeah, because it, 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 what was crazy was in the beginning of the season, we were always talking about like, oh, their offense isn't good. They just keep like they're not scoring enough. But their defense, what made them such good title contenders or title winners those past two seasons when they went back to back was not their offense. Their offense was amazing, but it was their defense. Their defense just kept people in check because they could hold the ball up so well and play possession, um, possession style, possession football and such, and they could just keep the ball. And now we're seeing them replicate it. And their defense is to a position where they're like amazing. Right now, they they just don't concede goals, and they're playing really, really good stuff. So, um, yeah, Pep Guardiola, he's obviously won it before. He knows what it takes. A lot of those players on that squad have won it before, so they are a team that is uh, that is gearing up for the title race. And I, I would be kind of scared, but another team that is making some big news right now is Leicester City. They beat Chelsea two nil, but. The bigger question is, is Brendan Rodgers, can he actually maintain the form with Leicester City and do it? I know if we brought up the question before, it seems like every time we bring up the question, he like chokes the next week. So Tyler, I'm asking again, is it time that Leicester City and Frank Lamp or Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers are taken seriously as title contenders? No. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. I, I still feel like Brendan Rodgers can't finish. We have to see how Leicester are in March and April because mm-hmm. usually that's when it starts to fall apart when the wheels fall off the bus as <laughs> the common phrase likes to go but Brendan Rodgers typically he has a lot of good mojo going a lot of good momentum that he can build in the surprisingly he didn't really do too well at the beginning of the season in my opinion like usually he has like a monster start and then it's just tails off the beginning or at the end of this end of the season it's kind of like when you're at school and then you have that student that just gets 100 on everything. And then for the final, they're like, what do you need to get an A? It's like a 27 on the, the final. It's like, all right. And then they just give up. <laughs> and then they just drop off. And then all of a sudden, they're like, not number one. But they have enough to like still do well and you know make it into European cup competitions. So I think that potentially still might what happen with Leicester. It will be... The typical thing to happen with Brandon Rogers. <laughs> so yeah. It'd be very atypical for Leicester to, you know, stay in that top four and get that Champions League spot, even in my opinion. But yeah. If there's I, I a year that, to you know, I I will say real quickly that this is I believe the third season under under Brandon Rogers. And for the most part, the team hasn't changed a ton. There's still, you know, James Madison, Jamie Vardy, um, Iose Perez from last season. They brought in some youngsters like James Justin. Um Wilfred and Didi's been there. I feel like, and Tielemans and such, uh, you know, they they were a young squad. Obviously, Vardy and such are old and everything. But I think, you know, they've learned and I think they've matured 
um, especially the young players. I think they've matured over the over the couple of seasons that maybe they might be a little bit more ready. It's sort of like maybe the Tottenham Mauricio Pochettino thing, where it's like, okay, they were very young, can they actually sustain it? Maybe, maybe this, uh, maybe this is the season that they they've learned enough of their failures that hey, that you know we gotta we know that we have to keep it up. We can't just let let off the gas pedal, otherwise you know we'll fall off. So I. I don't know. I think maybe, you know, the, uh, the extra years with Brendan Rodgers, I feel like that could give them the momentum of like, keep it going, you know, see what happens. But yeah, true. Well, they, they play pretty well to their own Brendan Rodgers style. Mm-hmm. And even that played a factor in this Leicester Chelsea game because Chelsea had most possession and yeah. they even had comparable shots on target, comparable shots, you know, the general. But <laughs> I felt like the scoreline is a little misleading compared to like what really happened but i mean i think that's part of i guess if we go into chelsea yeah what's going on with chelsea edward mendy kept making like some fantastic saves it could have been a worse scoreline but yeah chelsea right now are in eighth place i believe or yeah i think yesterday when i checked they were in eighth place but now i believe Mm -hmm. they are 12 points off the top of the table which is insane um when you think about when we talked about Chelsea in the summer, it was always always about okay, they have all these big players, are they title contenders? Probably, but it's going to take some time to just gel and get everyone together. So in that first month, when they started to hit some strides, and you're like, oh, okay, this team actually looks kind of scary. We we're like, okay, the gelling period is, you know, Frank Lampard's done a really good job of getting everyone together, together, getting the team, um, this team spirit. Then we saw Timo Werner kind of dip in form, and we were like, huh, this guy what's the deal with this guy? And then Kai Havertz really hasn't performed playing out of position. Then Christian Pulisic's been in and out of the lineup with injuries and such. Um, and then they finally figured out their defense getting Edward Mendy. But what's shocking here is that Lampard was given a war chest to basically become title contenders and be in first place in the Premier League right now. He's given an entire war chest of literally cherry picking the players he wanted. Like literally Kai Havertz was a luxury buy. It was just, he went to Abramovich and was like, I want Havertz, get Havertz. And, what did they do? They bought Havertz. And now they are in a position position where they are in eighth place, 12 points off the top of the table. And they don't know what to do. Um, I, I don't there was reports that Chelsea are reluctant to sack Lampard because they don't want to bring in like a, a super interim manager right now. But Lampard is in a in a very toasty situation right now because he has to figure out how to fix this team. Otherwise, his job is in jeopardy because uh, a club like Chelsea do not, whether you're a legend or not, they they sacked Jose Mourinho when he was probably in a, even a worse position than he was now. They sacked him after winning, you know, after he won them a title. So Chelsea is a club where they do not, um, they don't take it lightly when it comes to the managers. They don't care what type of pedigree you have, who you are, what you've done. If you're not performing or bringing in the results, they will pull the plug and, Lampard, uh, I think he's re- he's um he's on thin ice right now when it comes to the Chelsea board, and he's got to figure out what's going on with the squad. Fast, the more and more Chelsea kind of stay out of the top six, the more fatter I see Frank Lampard's memes get. Because <laughs> like every time they lose, they just somehow Photoshop him to get a little bit wider, and <laughs> I don't know what's the thing, but that twenty two or that two hundred twenty million pound war chest always pops up as an argument for Chelsea and why they aren't doing better. And at this point, I'm I'm kind of on that train. I'm slowly getting on that train of like they, they should be doing better. Like they're doing worse than they were last year. Yeah. And I know like we always say they got a lot of new players and 
but they got experience for them to go. Like obviously Werner's young, but he he's an experienced pro. Ben Shilwell's experience, Tiago Silva's experience, Edward Mendy experience. I mean, it it's funny because it, it was like so the people were calling for Solskjaer's job, even though he didn't even spend like half the money he did Lampard did in the summer. Um, people were calling for his job even like when things were going bad. But I feel like for Lampard, people are still calling for his job. But the media, in terms of the the scrutiny he's getting, I don't I don't think it's as much as Solskjaer um, was getting when things were kind of going a little bit of a rough patch for him in Manchester United. And even then, I can't believe that all of Chelsea is behind West Ham in the table. (laughs) West Ham's in seventh place. (laughs) And West Ham is under David Moyes and they went like a complete rebuild project basically Mm -hmm. to get the club back on track. So that's why a lot of people want Lampard's head. There's a lot of things going on, at least that I see on Twitter. It's like, who gets sacked first? The manager of Celtic, Marseille, or Chelsea? And all three are doing pretty bad. But for Chelsea, this is like very abnormal. This is... I can't even compare it to anything because it's the whole organization. Like, this is... I want to say as bad as when Jose Mourinho was in as a manager and then they're in the relegation battle at some point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But for... The expectations for where they should be at least, this is pretty atrocious. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's very bad. And I think it kind of just speaks about the the uh, just the nature of this club, that they are a bunch of reports that they're trying to target um, Erling Holland in the summer. And yeah, there you go. You're back on camera. Don't worry, folks. Just a little minor technical difficulty. Don't worry about that. But they're targeting Erling Holland in the summer, even though they purchased Timo Werner, which was what, like 45 mil or something like that. Um, it just makes the transfer of Werner crazy that they're already targeting another young striker such as Erling Holland to come in in the summer, um, this summer to replace him. And it just kind of speaks about what the club of uh, Chelsea is like. It's just they they just chop and change stuff so fast that I feel like it's just so hard to maintain stability there. I don't think Erling Holland should go to. Yeah, no, I don't. I think he's oh, like please. he's good enough to go to like Barcelona please. or Real Madrid. I mean, even then, I, I kind of want him at Liverpool, but. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he might go up to Bayern Munich at this point, <laughs> given he's that in the Bundesliga. But it's kind of sad to see that they're already trying to replace, you know, someone like Werner. Or, I don't know. Maybe you can think about this positively and think they're getting him a partner. But that's like, I don't know. It's like you invest so much money into a striker. You just hope that it will work out. But. Chelsea, I know we mentioned should they um, should they sack Lampard? We did a whole episode about it two two episodes ago, but I, I think I give him maybe another month. But if it keeps going like this, I think he's he's probably out of the job. To be honest, well, we'll have to just wait and see at this point because I'm I'm pr- kind of surprised Abramovich is still kind of not really. You don't think he'll get sacked in this season, or he'll probably get sacked in the off season? If anything, it might take to end of the season and then they'll see where they're at then. But I think for now, he might he might still have some more time. But don't quote me. I ain't Abramovich. (laughs) I'm going for the quick Abramovich kill, but Tyler's going for uh, a bit of a grace right there. But we'll see what happens. Chelsea are kind of in a bad position. Leicester City are um, tied for second place right now with Manchester City, I believe. Um, So. Both clubs going at totally opposite directions of the table. We'll see what happens, obviously, at the end of the year and see where where everyone lands. But 
Uh, I wanted to quickly mention the Fulham Manchester United game that happened today. The big thing was United picked up a kind of a scrappy 2-1 victory, but it was Paul Pogba scoring a screamer outside the box, just curls it, uh, uh, just literally curls the ball past Ariola. Uh, world-class finish. Um, it was interesting. Pogba at the uh, post-game interview said, I enjoy winning. I, you know, I love winning. I like playing and such. And um, it's interesting because as soon as you mentioned, you know, I've gotten better, we've seen a better Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba's playing better. And I think the broadcasters were saying they were bringing this analogy is that whenever Pogba's played, he's played in winning teams, such as the Juventus team, the French national team. But we, we talked about this before where it's never been he's been the main star guy. It's kind of he's been a piece of the puzzle where the team is already there. And I feel like now with Manchester United, they have more of a team built where Bruno Fernandes is now the number one guy and Rashford's there, Martial's there, Cavani's there. You know, they have a defense where Pogba can now just play the deep line playmaking role and just do his part and play his game. And it's not about, oh, there's this pressure. He has to do the defending. He has to do the attacking. He has to do everything. Now Paul Pogba can just play the way Paul Pogba wants to play. And now we're seeing the best of him because he's starting to influence and impact games a lot more than what he's been doing um, during his his whole spell at Manchester United, I would say. It's one of those things that we kind of talked about as well, where <laughs> it's like, where, where would Pogba be? It's like, what does he need to thrive? And it's like, you just let him do whatever he wants. It's kind of like Ozil, where it's just <laughs> like, you kind of have to have the team already kind of built. It's like, can you beat most teams with just 10 people and then just add him in and then just, just let him do his thing and just give that team that step up? Mm-hmm. I feel like Pogba is that kind of player where if you put him like Fulham, He'll struggle, <laughs> but <laughs> you put him in Man U, it's kind of like, you know, a luxury buy almost, whereas like with Mkhitaryan, where he only really does well when they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that might be what it is with Pogba. But but actually kind of brings me to a good segue in terms of something we wanted to mention on our rundown as well. But it's just a little bit more transfer news, just like some mm-hmm. transfer updates. And this is something that happened also right after we finished last week. But Mesut Ozil. Has finally left Arsenal. Mm-hmm. He is now on his way to Fenerbahce in the Turkish league. And this is actually funny, but his flight from London to Fenerbahce in Turkey was the most tracked flight of all time <laughs> on like the Turkish airline app or yeah. whatever airline I he swear, used. No, he probably used a private jet, but I swear that happened when Robin Van Persie moved to like at that time, it was like the most tracked flight when Van Persie moved to Fenerbahce and such. And now Ozil's it, taking the crown. This was wild just to even see that. What's his contract look like? Because he was getting paid 300,000 pounds a week. So I wonder how he's doing at Fenerbahce now. Because yeah. I believe there was teams in the MLS like DC United looking into potentially trying to bring Ozil there too. Yeah. But because of the salary cap here in the MLS, they're like, nah. nah. That would, be, that would <laughs> be cool to see Ozil in the MLS and such. I think it was... Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of sad to see that he's had he he still has like a lot of love for Arsenal. Um, there was a tweet he put out. I was like always cheering for the Gunners and such, no matter what. Um, but I I think for him, I was like, I get I get the whole love affair, but it's like, come on, man, you gotta kind of move on, you know? Because it's like, <laughs> I you don't see a lot of former players tweeting like that unless they're retired or basically you know on their swan song type thing. Like you don't see Luis Suarez when he was at Barcelona you know, killing it. You don't, you didn't see him tweeting like every other tweet, like, Oh, I love Liverpool. You'll never, <laughs> you know, 
I so for me, I I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I I love the whole love affair, the whole story there. But a part of me is just like, come on, it was like move on, you know. You know, your time has kind of come and gone. Like, it's still good to appreciate, you know, the love you got and every now and again. But, you know, you got like a new focus and a new team. Just, you know, focus on that and see what happens there type thing. I don't know. That's just me, though. No, I see that. It's like kind of weird to be such a big fan when you could play, but they don't yeah. even play you or put you on the bench. Yeah, it's, it's like- weird. It, it's, I just find it very like kind of an awkward situation, you know? <laughs> it is super awkward and i don't even know how i would personally deal with it you know ozil he does what he's doing but now he's in a new home in turkey and we're gonna see how that kind of stacks up because now it'll be maybe finally time for him to play yeah because we haven't seen him play for i feel God, like a couple like of years three years now yeah consistently at least it's so so it, it, it'll be nice to see how he uh, how he ends up in front of Bacha. I hope he does well. So maybe he gets a move to like another uh, European side soon, or maybe he gets a move to the MLS. It'll be nice to see him in the United States, but we'll see what happens um, with that one. There, there was another transfer that um, hasn't materialized yet, but it's been pretty um, talked about. Uh, it's pretty heavy rumors for Kayo Tamori, Chelsea center back, a uh, young center back actually. Um, last season he played, a decent amount of games but this season hasn't really played that much has ac milan has been in the talks for a loan to buy option for 30 mil for him so that that will be that's kind of a weird one i figured chelsea would want to keep him but i i don't know i would have kept him i thought he was pretty decent the times he did play so it's just kind of an odd move by chelsea to sell off uh sell off someone like that i feel like he did have a lot of potential too and mm-hmm. he was one of those kids that frank lampard brought over <laughs> and he was like, you know how Mason Mount is Lampard's son? Yeah. Like, Tamori is like the other son. He yeah. just brought him over. And Reese James. Started, too. Yeah, Reese James. He's <laughs> like, all these players. I thought Tamori especially would have had that role that would maybe rotate with Kurt Zuma. But now he's behind, I would say, Zuma, Rudiger, and Christensen. Like, he's way down the pecking order all of a sudden for some reason. Yeah, I'm just like, what it might be do? something. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, what do you do? Like something behind the scenes on the training grounds? Like, did he do something bad? Did he just make Lampard upset or something? Like, he had so much potential. He's the, he's the one doing the Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, man, he's just the one making the memes of Lampard. So that's why. And then someone found out and ratted him out. But I mean, just that was kind of surprising to see. And for an English player to go to the Italian league is very interesting. You don't really see that too often, unless it's yeah. you know David Beckham, I guess. Joe but, Hart did. <laughs> Hmm? Joe Hart did when he went to Torino. Oh yeah, he did go yeah. to Torino. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, but that's but- not very rare. That, like English player goes to the Italian league. It's not even. It's very rare that English player actually goes outside of England. Really. Yeah, that's true too. So this is there's just so much potential, and for him to leave, that's. I will say hmm. AC Milan are killing it right now. In they the are killing it. They're first They're on the table. Really good, so maybe that might be good for him to be in a side that's actually doing well. And winning, um, I don't think he speaks Italian though. But <laughs> yeah, but you know the move, as you just said, is not final. But it's just very heavy talks. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, it's medical and everything, so it's looking likely. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly mention this um, real quickly before you mention our last one because it's kind of crazy. But Jack Wilshire, he, uh, I believe it's a loan, or it yes. was Bournemouth bought him, and obviously Bournemouth are in the championship. But it seems like Jack Wilshire finally has a new home. He was at West Ham, didn't really play that much, but man. It is crazy how he once went from being the 
kid that literally had the best game of his life against Barcelona in the Champions League to being considered one of England's greatest generational talents to now, you know, kind of withering away in the championship. It's uh, it's the fall from grace, as we always say, but it's kind of crazy how uh, Wilshire's career has just went all like from the trajectory of being like the best of all time to now just being a, just a normal championship player. Crazy. Mm-hmm. It's literally, he, he wasn't even like the best, best, but he had so much potential. It was, it, the injury, it wasn't like Tamori potential, but it was like way, it was way higher. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, he's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. It's almost like but, the way we hyped up Delhi Ali and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. But it's the injuries, man. Injuries. There's a lot of the injuries. So hopefully best of luck to Jack Wilshire. But even then it's going to be kind of rough being the main man in a born this side that lost a lot of players you know, a couple seasons ago and now they're just going to be, you know, just chilling. Yeah. Chilling in the small town of Bournemouth. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I, um, and then one last one, Danny Drinkwater moving to, I can't even pronounce the name. Do you know how to Kaz, Kazimpasa? I don't even know. Like, how do they at? even get where's that Danny at? Drinkwater over there? Where is that at? Where's that even club? Lo- where's that club located? Oh, uh, I feel like it'd be Russian league. Somewhere. <laughs> Probably a fact check this, but he's now Drinkwater has now left Chelsea and he's now just in this random, the most random of clubs. That, that, so just as we were saying, you don't usually see English players leaving England. We see <laughs> Tamori going to AC Milan potentially, and then Drinkwater going to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> it, I. It's funny because I still sometimes I'm like shocked that like holy crap, Drinkwater's still in the league because. Or he still plays for Chelsea because he was playing for Burnley on loan and he couldn't even get a, he couldn't even get inside the Burnley team. This guy's career has just went down the drain after he moved from Leicester. Shouldn't have yeah. left. That was like Atlanta United point. could use him. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but drink water moving. Um, but that that kind of rounds up like our transfer updates. But moving on to our preview section, there are no Premier League games this weekend because it's FA Cup weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting. But the biggest game of the FA Cup weekend is. Manchester United, Liverpool. We get the same matchup again, but this time at Old Trafford. Um, I don't know. United's luck in these uh, cup competitions haven't been the best, and they haven't performed the best in these cup competitions. So, unfortunately, I don't know. I, I personally just don't see how United can get out and win this one, which sounds horrible to say, but I actually think Liverpool might win this one 2-1 um, because I, I United's cup competition luck has not been the best. I really don't know what team Liverpool would put out for this cup competition. I feel like given they put on a decent amount of the starting 11 against that U23 side of Aston Villa in the previous round, that they will probably do the same. Maybe have Nico Williams, uh, Kelman Keller in goal, Reese Williams, like those academy products in the defense. But at least the midfield and attack, they'll have, you know, some rotational players but I wouldn't be surprised if we see you know Mane and Henderson and Milner and so I think there's still a pretty good chance that Liverpool will still have a starting do you think man you would put good you know 11 that would you would be comparable to in like the Premier League or do you think they're going to put on some back ends or backups no I still think they'll go for it I think they'll put a pretty strong pretty strong side maybe some rotational players here and there, but I think for the most part, it's going to be a very strong starting eleven. Hmm. It'll be it'll be tough overall, just because when you face a team back to back, 
Yeah. It's it was never like, easy uh, to beat. It was that one weird period. I think it was in the Champions League semifinals when Liverpool played City and then they played them again in the league and then played them back in the Champions League. Or was that Tottenham that played City and then played them in the Premier League, then played them back in the Champions League? It was one of those clubs that, that year. Like it was Liverpool. Yeah, it was one of those um, those clubs that year where they were just played like three games on the, on the cuff. It was, I think, if I remember correctly, there weren't that many goals yeah. <laughs> when that happened. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I I feel like Liverpool will win this despite being at Old Trafford. And I think it'll be a very, this time, low scoring prediction of just 1-0. Dang, 1-0. I, I think United might actually lose this one too, which is unfortunate to say. I want them to win, but there's just luck in the cup competition has been great. So I, I think Liverpool might win this one 2-1. Oh, top. wait, I just realized we don't have Ali Sun playing probably. All right, no, I'm going to say 2-1. Oh, wait, is injured again? <laughs> No, it's just like, I think they'll play the backup. They'll probably oh. play Keller. Okay. So, right. okay, no, 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 I'll say 2-1 now. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see score. what happens. It'll, it'll be an interesting uh, cup competition. It's we're so weird that they met up this early in the FA Cup uh, rounds, but we'll see what happens. But that was our, that was our one preview game, obviously, because there's no Premier League this weekend, but... With that, that wraps up episode 103 for us. As we always say, though, before we um, end our show, please make sure to uh, like, comment, and subscribe. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at The Premier Pod. Follow us at The Premier Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can obviously send us a question or two there. We always respond and ready to respond. But yeah, um, you know, we do appreciate the support. If you can leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. Um, it helps us get our podcasts out there. But if you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. Um, a listen is more than enough. And if you want to share the podcast with a friend or anyone that would find this content interesting, that would be great as well. It gets our name out there um, in another way. So we appreciate the support in any way that it comes. So thank you guys so much for listening. That kind of wraps up episode 103 for us. Um, thank you guys so much. Peace. Peace.